0: Good morning, I'm John and this is the Daily Wrestling News Show for October 20th. Wrestling has essentially been around as long as there have been humans walking this earth. The history of sport can be traced back to two basic competitions. As long as there have been people, at some point those people have challenged each other either to see which of them can run faster or which of them can overpower the other in hand to hand combat. Professional wrestling, as both sport and theater, has been around since the end of the 19th century evolving from the cross-pollination of the amateur wrestling seen in the quote-unquote modern Olympic Games starting in the late 1800s and the performative nature of carnival strongman exhibitions. With more than a hundred years of the practice of telling the simple story of good versus bad, professional wrestling is always trying to come up with new twists on how to serve up that age-old struggle in a way that is fresh. So what new gimmick match made its debut on this day in 1996? Hey there, if you're listening to this, then chances are you love wrestling. And if you care to continue the conversation with me, John, and other listeners of this show, then I invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. Just search for Daily Wrestling News Show or go to facebook.com groups slash wrestling news show and click join. We cannot wait to meet you there. The group is brand new, so if you're one of the first to join, don't be afraid to say hi. Now, on with the show. Let's go back. It's 26 years ago. The Monday Night War was a back-and-forth affair for the first eight or nine months. But since the arrival of Scott Hall to WCW in May, Nitro has been in control. As the 11th edition of In Your House begins, you get the feeling, at least partially, of why that might be. The broadcast opens with Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross doing a stand-up segment. There are only two mics between the three men, and JR is not hiding the fact that he's ornery about it. It was storyline consistent aggression of course, but dropping yourself back into that era without a refresher and you almost forget that JR had this ridiculous arc of being the angry heel announcer. And when you consider that he was sitting alongside Vincent Kennedy McMahon and Jerry the King Lawler, the idea to turn Jim Ross into the heel in that crew is positively laughable. The overall WWF product is not the well-oiled machine we've come to expect these days either. After the camera's cut from the announce team doing their intro, and seeming not to know whether or not they should stand still or do an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, we go to the first match intro. The camera finds Hunter Hearst Helmsley about to walk the aisle, and it lingers on him. It's the kind of thing you just don't see today, and you kind of forget you ever did the WWF production machine just kinda waiting around for a cue. The full-on blue blood Helmsley is escorted to the ring by one of his revolving door of blonde valets at the time. His opponent is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Interesting note, tonight's Austin entrance is the first time his music is preceded by the sound of breaking glass. The sound that, on its own, would be enough to bring packed arenas to their feet for years to come. Austin wins with a stunner. A short while after, the returning Mr. Perfect distracts Hunter by walking off with his lady. Slammy Award winner Owen Hart and the British Bulldogs successfully defend their tag titles against the smoking guns in the next bout. After, as if the storyline of Jim Ross's microphone cutting in and out wasn't tedious enough throughout the first 40 minutes of the broadcast, good old JR commandeers the house mic in center ring to let everyone know just how pissed he is about it. But more importantly, that they can thank him for going to South Africa to convince Bret Hart to make his WWF return, which will take place the following night on Raw. With that, Jr. heads for the showers. He's replaced on commentary by Mr. Perfect, who reemerges to satisfy his curiosity about the upcoming Intercontinental Championship match. Mark Miro retains his title with a shooting star press to beat Goldust. Oddly enough, there were no issues with the headset during Perfect's time at the desk. Match number four was sold as the Battle of the Powerbombs between Psycho Sid and Vader. The winner would earn the number one contender spot and a chance at WWF Champion Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series in Madison Square Garden the next month. HBK joined the announced desk to scout his potential future opponents. No issues with the mic for the champ either by the way. Neither big man manages a powerbomb, but Sid wins after a chokeslam and has a date with Destiny in MSG. That brings us to the main event of this short card and the reason for its title. In Your House 11 is subtitled Buried Alive and is the debut of the match by the same name between The Undertaker and Mankind. The show opens with a nicely crafted back and forth between the headlining competitors. They alternate lines in the intro but I'll give you the whole spiel by each man separately to save you from the horror of listening to me attempt an impersonation of either man. In his high-pitched, often cracking voice, Mankind says, I've had a vision of you, Undertaker, a vision of you looking at me for mercy and finding only vengeance. A vision of you, Undertaker, with soil filling your lungs. And when this vision becomes reality, I will laugh myself to sleep. Undertaker's conversely deep growl states My whole existence is death, darkness, and the destruction of you, mankind. I must be your judge, jury, and executioner. Why don't you try to imagine those last few breaths of air and how they will taste? Try to imagine what it will be like to never rest in peace. I'm going to bury you alive. You have been sentenced to eternal damnation. The match is simple in concept. The end of the arena that had been the entry point for the superstars all evening doubled as a makeshift cemetery. A huge pile of dirt sat ominously in the corner all night, and now Mankind and Undertaker would battle until one was dumped into the freshly dug grave and with soil shoveled over them. The two had feuded all summer, leading to a boiler room brawl at Summerslam that was supposed to settle the score. But when Paul Bearer betrayed The Undertaker and helped Mankind win at SummerSlam, it was clear this feud was far from over. During the introductions, Vince McMahon mentioned that it was the first ever unsanctioned match in WWF history. The Undertaker had promised to do absolutely anything to destroy Mankind, even if it meant destroying himself. He almost made good on that promise within the first few minutes of the match. The match began as soon as Taker reached the ring he immediately attacked Mankind, and within about a minute, Mankind went crashing to the floor and appeared to hit the back of his head on the base of a section of the steel barricade. Caring little for Mankind's safety or his own, Taker leapt from the top turnbuckle to the floor to come crashing down on Mankind before his masked opponent could fully make it back to his feet. They battled to the gravesite and back to the ring. Into the crowd they both went, And seconds after flinging mankind back to the ringside area, Taker flew over the guardrail to once again bring his weight down on his foe with a clothesline. As Taker walked the ropes starting from the turnbuckle, Paul Bearer leaned on the top rope nearly 20 feet away in the adjacent corner and crotched the dead man. When the fight later returned to the floor, Bearer hit Taker in the back with the urn. The shot barely moved the big man but in taking a few steps in the direction of his former manager, Taker gave Mankind the time and space to land a vicious chair shot to the skull. Mankind led the staggering dead man towards the grave. After booting him into the hole, Mankind reached for the shovel, but by the time he turned back to the grave, Taker's hand found Mankind's throat and pulled him in. Out of the grave and back to the ring they would go. More use of chairs by both men and then Taker dislodged the upper portion of the steps to use as a weapon. After a tombstone, the Undertaker hoisted Mankind's carcass and headed back for the grave. A chokeslam sends Mankind into the hole, and Taker begins shoveling. Before Mankind's body completely disappears, the referee calls for the bell and declares Taker the winner. Multiple referees try to explain to the dead man that he's done enough, but each takes a flying trip down the side of the dirt pile. It takes a shovel to the back of the head from a large masked figure to stop the Undertaker. The masked man, who would come to be known as the Executioner, but who we all know best as Terry Bam Bam Gordy, jumps in to dig mankind out by hand and pull him out of the grave. Taker is then rolled in, and both men begin feverishly covering him. Before long, they're joined by Goldust, Crush, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and a young Bradshaw, the hole is filled to within about a foot of its capacity. The rumbling of indoor thunder scares off everyone but Mankind Bearer and the Executioner. But they're essentially done, so they descend the burial mound as a nearly speechless McMahon is teased by Jerry Lawler. The King is positively giddy at the demise of the Undertaker. But this is professional wrestling, and somewhere under those hundreds of pounds of soil is the Undertaker. So anything is possible. Just then a lightning bolt strikes the tombstone, sending sparks flying and causing the camera to zoom in. Moments before the cameras went dark, the purple gloved hand of the Undertaker bursts through the sod at the base of the tombstone and McMahon rejoices that the Undertaker is alive! The match was a new concept in a business where those are few and far between these days. It would be repeated four more times, the last time in 2010, with The Undertaker obviously being part of each. While The Taker was only two and three in these Buried Alive matches, the last time we saw him compete was the Boneyard match with AJ Styles, where it ended with Styles in a six foot hole and a front end loader worth of dirt was dumped on top of him. So if you wanna count that one, we can say the dead man was batting 500 in his signature match. But it all started at the In Your House Buried Alive event on this day in 1996. This has been the Daily Wrestling News Show for October 20th, 2022. We'll see you tomorrow.